Welcome to the Wonder Podcast. My name is Lisa Clark, and on behalf of my co-host Chrissy Dunham and myself, let me just say thank you for joining us today. The Wonder Podcast is for you, whether you're a man, a woman, young, older, married, single. Our mission is to encourage you and get you focused back on the wonders of our great God. Psalm 136 says, to him who alone does great wonders. And to Him alone do we dedicate this episode and every episode. So whether you're in the car or on your way to work, at home watching a little one, washing dishes or binge listening on a road trip, which we've heard many of you do, we say thank you. And we pray you enjoy this episode of The Wonder Podcast. We are so excited to be back with you. We do want to bring you up to speed of what's going on at the Wonder Podcast and ask for your prayers. Uh, Lisa and I are fervently praying with many, many, many others for our producer, Mark Friedman. Um, He is still in the hospital. It's going to be a long journey for him, but we are trusting that the Lord will heal him completely. So we ask that you pray for Mark Friedman every day. Join Lisa and I as we pray for him. Uh, he is improving. It's slow. And uh, there, sometimes he goes backwards and sometimes he goes forwards a couple of steps. So it's just going to be that for a while. So we know, we know without a doubt that he'll be healed. Uh, but in the meantime, we have found a new help and we are looking forward to the Wonder Podcast going on and going on strong. And Lisa, it's so good to be back together talking about the wonder of God and who he is. What have you been up to? It is good to be back, Chrissy. We are so thankful for the opportunity to carry on and for contacts that people have given us. We are fervently praying for Mark and continue to do that on a daily basis, believing and trusting the Lord through all of this. Mark loves the Lord. He is, oh, he is so strong in his faith. And so many people are going to hear about the great name of Jesus Christ through his ordeal. So we are praising God for everything that he's doing in Mark's life. And this caught all of us up off guard, obviously. And so we are just trusting and, and praying and, and um, praying for complete healing for Mark. What have I been up to? Well, my goodness, here we are in September, heading into October, and we are loving these cooler temps, and that is so exciting. You know, the fall's coming, my favorite time of year. We got engaged, Brad and I got engaged in December, and I said we're not getting married till October 4th, because October is my favorite month of the year, so we waited a nice long time, and um gotten married October 4th. And I'll tell you, lo and behold, the cold front came in on, it rained my whole wedding day, which everyone kept telling me those, that's blessings from heaven, right? Yeah. Yeah. Blessings from heaven. When that, when we came out, we decided when we would uh, visit the crowd, when we were coming out into the limo to leave, we had a two o'clock wedding that we would dress in, in Maui clothes because we were headed to Maui in Hawaii. And so I wore a muumuu with the, you know, the wreath around my head and, and the lay around my neck. Oh, it was horrible. I cannot believe he wore this actually, but you know what? He was getting married. So I guess you do whatever they say. Not that way anymore, but when you start out, (laughs) 
yeah, when you start out, this is how it works. If they do what you say to do. But he wore these Bermuda shorts with the matching shirt. And we came out of the church that day and the cold front had come through and it was like 50 degrees and oh everyone was goodness. in the best mood. It was fabulous. So anyway, <laughs> that is what's going on now. We've had a little bit of a cold front. I'm sure it's going to be back in 90 next week, but Absolutely. right now it feels good. And so we are excited. And yes, Chrissy, we are excited to continue talking about the wonders of God and having people on these, this podcast who love the Lord and who are following him, who have purpose in their life. And that is who we have today. And we have been so anxious and exciting to have Michelle Nieder on with us. She, um, she's all over the place right now, and we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna tell you more about her. But Michelle is in in the counseling business, and she is a professional counselor and the director of community counseling associates. She's been doing that for about ten years. Prior to that, she was in counseling. She knows everything about mental disorders, mental illness. She counsels with children. And so many times, because I've been in parenting ministry for about the last 15 years, the number one question I receive is, do you know a good counselor for my kids? Well, if you're hearing this today and you are in the throes of parenting, you need to write this information down. And we're gonna link everything that Michelle gives us to the website, to her information. But let me first just go ahead and welcome Michelle to the show. Welcome. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to be with the two of you. We are so excited to have you. Tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got into what you're doing. Has this been a passion of yours your whole life or is this just God's plan? How did you end up where you are today? Well, I did. I planned on being a very successful attorney. I know that won't totally surprise you which, since you know me um, when I was younger. And at 16, I was at church camp and I was in the leadership there. And I heard God very clearly say to me in spirit, um, you are to become a minister of the gospel. And I'm like, uh, God, I'm a woman. And like, that doesn't go very well in like the eighties that did not go very well. And so I went to Baylor university as a ministry major, um, and was going to major in religion and psych. And God also had great plans. Um, my, the development officer there highly discouraged that I had a full ride to Baylor and he said, you will repeat everything in graduate school. So I suggest you get like an English and education degree. I was a strong writer. I'd been in journalism and look at all that God uses as you go along. I didn't like that idea. I was scared he was just trying to get me to marry a minister and support him and teach. And I thought that was dumb, but I kept on. I still took Greek and systematic theology and all that type of stuff. And originally worked as a children's and um, youth minister and intern and things like that. Taught school for a couple of years to pay off one of the loans that was alongside that taught in an inner, inner city school with security guards and bars on the door, on the doors and the windows. And then went from there to department chair in Plano and um, ended up working in school counseling. I worked for a church. I was on staff at a larger church. Um, and it, it, it's, it had a bad split, bad experience there, a little bit of church damage there. And I was running a counseling center and so decided that the school is a wonderful place sometimes to hide because there are a lot of Christian educators running around there. And so I just decided that I needed a break from the church. I'd interviewed with four churches, one on the beach in California, you can't get much better. And when you can't do that, you know that you got to heal some more. So I went into a time of just healing, 
became the crisis, actually developed the crisis counseling for one of the large school districts in this area of over 13,000 kids and did that before I had my own children. So I've owned Community Counseling Associates for about 20 years. I've been in practice that long and I've been a high conflict divorce specialist for 10 in that process. And then just um, had worked with John Townsend and Henry Cloud and Spoken when I was younger and um, worked for Louis Giglio in college. So I kind of knew this whole speaker writing life. Um, and I felt the call of God to return, but I didn't, I, some of you know what this is like. I did not want to, it's one thing to be on the front lines yourself. It's another thing to take children with you to the front lines. And I didn't want to do it. God and I had a huge wrestling match. I didn't mind being on the front lines in the counseling center. Uh, that seemed comfortable. But this idea, and it's been hard. It's been hard launching this book. I have been ill. Um, my daughter has had some struggles recently, which she's come out of as the book is launched, surprisingly not. And uh, we just had a lot of like things break and <laughs> all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I have a passion for families and I wanted to disciple people. And a lot of church staff positions are event coordinators more than discipleship. So that's why I chose the counseling field because I really felt like I could disciple well in that field. And I like a challenge and I like variety and you get all that every day. <laughs> well, Michelle, uh, you certainly have an impressive track record in history and well-educated. I know for me, I have five grandkids. Four of them are in the public school system. So with everything that's been going on and what we've walked through since March, they are now back in school. Four of them are in the public school and then one's in a preschool. But what I'm watching are my daughters struggling. You know, they struggled through working and getting the kids online and making sure everything worked. And one thing I've watched is the struggle with media. Our daughters have chosen to only let their kids be on the computer or the phone with all their games and everything on the weekend. And then it's a limited time. They're not allowed during the week uh, because of school and all of that. That's just their rule. Then they found themselves with their kids on the computer all the time. And then when it came time for downtime and they asked to be on, they're like, oh my gosh, what do I do here? They've been on this media, on the computer and doing all these games and teaching. How in the world do you still balance all that? Because the kids are taking their iPads to school with them. That's part of their, their backpack now. And they're still using them at school on a day-to-day -day basis. How in the world do you balance all that's going on in the world, trying to educate your children properly, trying to follow all the rules, but then this angst that you have inside my child is on too much. How do you answer that? How do you do that? You know, I wrote a really interesting article for preschool parents, surprisingly, about how to introduce screens to your children. Um, but our world is changing. And I think the idea of being anti-screen, you might as well give that up. Because <laughs> yeah. um, with public education in our work world today, and even myself, I'm a telehealth professional now, we, we serve all of the Metroplex in Texas. We are looking at forming a nonprofit to begin to serve the nation, because um, there are rural areas where there's no Christian counseling available to them we're going to be on screens. And so I think we got to move away from the screen issue to the purpose issue. And we need to start looking at purpose a lot more and, and, and then balance. So here's some things I'm looking at. What are you doing while you're on that screen? What is the purpose of you being there? If it's for education, um, if it's for interaction, I never thought I'd say this, but I've got a high extrovert who has, was out of school for a long time. And I would say, go FaceTime your friends. 
because I wanted, I didn't want her to sit in social isolation. She was getting very depressed. The grief, we gone past the grief. She was crying every day. And so we are having to make adaptations here. And um, we need to be smart about this. And here's how I think we're smart. Even the schools aren't pushing to more than two hours at a time. They're taking brain breaks. I'm so impressed. The social emotional development and the counselors have spoken really well into the school systems. They're taking brain breaks. And so they're taking time off the screens because our eyes are going to be affected and our brains are going to be affected. Um, my kids have glasses that have blue um, lenses in them that help for blue light lenses that help protect them and their brains a little bit. One of them was getting headaches and I started looking into that for them. But also I think, again, I think we can, I use social media to encourage people to interact on behalf of the kingdom. You guys do too. I see you out there with me. And so I, and to lead by example, not to like print a, a fake picture, but to be transparent at times about our struggles and then also to rejoice in our victories and all the in-between. I don't think Facebook should be your journal ever, but I do think sometimes we need to model well what it's like to live in this world. On top of that, I think that we need to look at what are our kids doing with the screen and how did God make them? And this has been a struggle for me because here I am a mental health professional and, and I know about how much time a kid should spend on a screen. And I allow my son to have more time on a screen than that because his father started coding at age 10. He made more money than I did as a teacher when I graduated from college at age 16, working for a company doing coding for them. And, and my son is built the same way. He already has his own Minecraft server. <laughs> he pays for it through subscription. Wow. I don't know what all those men have going on. But anyway, I mean, he's, he sits in his room sometimes and codes. When he is on his games playing, he is with his cousins in Utah. He has made friends with them. He talks to them. He tells me about Blake's life and soccer and everything else. That is, men are wired a little different. That is positive social interaction for them. He's building real relationship. But here's something else. I think we need to ask our kids every day, how much face-to-face -face time have you had with a human being? Because we don't want to lose that, right? That is so important because we'll lose like nonverbal signals, um, facial reflection. There's a lot in there from a mental health perspective. So we want to make sure we're getting that social emotional development. And then the other question I ask my children every day is how much have you moved today? As they ask me more about screens again or extending something. Because the research says that moving 20 to 30 minutes a day is as effective as a low dose of an antidepressant. And let me tell you where we are in this country, ladies, and I don't mean to scare you. One in four kids, this is before COVID, will have a mental health diagnosis right now based on the national statistics before they're 18. Let me tell you what's going on in the adult world. We see in the adult world that that has moved from one in four to one in three since COVID has hit. Now, one in three adults is reporting signs of clinical depression because grief can easily turn into depression if we don't have hope. That's what Jesus brings us. I was just talking to a non-believer who has gone to a Bible meetup for a first time. She's a client of mine who's come in and out for 10 years. I can't even believe it. And um, she said, those people had something like you had. And I, I, I don't know what it is, but I keep wanting to come back to you because of this. I said, is it hope? She goes, yes, that's what it is. It's hope. It's hope. And that is something that we want to make sure that our kids have an opportunity to experience. So another question I ask my children is, have you spent got time in God's word today before they want back on the screen? Have you spent time in worship with the Lord? And, and it doesn't have to be with me anymore. I have a very independent 13 year old who God is working through strongly and she likes her quiet time quiet by herself. And her mama is a little bit of a talker. So, um, and her mama likes her quiet time by herself. I like to talk to God on a walk, especially right now with all the humans in my house. So, um, 
are, are on the patio. The back patio is one of my favorite places to be. So I understand that. But with my younger child, who still thinks I'm like the bomb and kind of cool and know what I'm doing spiritually, I am doing this not consume curriculum with him where I'm teaching him how to have a quiet time with God. My book would be a little flowery for him. Let's just be real. It's pretty. It's got, it's purple inside. It's got a nice ribbon, but it was not designed for a boy. But we're talking about good morning, God. I don't care if he does anything in the morning, but I want him to acknowledge God's presence in his life in the morning. And I want him to see God at work. And he had a hard time today at lunch because he came downstairs and he'd been in school. So he wanted to play on his screen, you know, and watch, because my son learns so much on YouTube. Let me tell you again, purpose. You should hear my child's vocabulary. And I'll be like, what are you watching on YouTube? And he's like, I am learning about the chemical reaction. I think I might want to be a chemical engineer about blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. I mean, YouTube is a great world for gifted boys. Let me tell you. And I was like, I'm really sorry, but mommy is free for lunch. So you have to talk to mommy during lunch today, you know? <laughs> and, and that was like, not a great with him. And then he, he laughed and gave me a hug. They'll come around. They, they know that you're doing this for their good. And I think that's a big piece of it too. I will teach, if you want me to, I will teach y'all a trick on how to get them off easily. Tell you know us. All the listeners want to know. They're wondering how you do that. Okay. So here's how you do it. I teach my children about addiction and emotional self-regulation. Okay. And when we are addicted to something, we want it more than it's good for us right? Because really any kind of addiction is we have control of it and then it gets control of us. I'm laughing as Lisa's taking notes here. <laughs> so um, what I tell my kids is if I ask you to leave your device and you have a meltdown, you are telling me that your brain is too attached to that particular item Ooh. and it's becoming addictive. So if you want more time than you currently have and continuing to expand those privileges, I, I will give you a warning. I do not expect you to be robots. I want you to be able to finish the game as long as it's not two hours long. So to go, you know, I want you to be able to finish the conversation. I hated when my parents would say 10 o'clock, get off the phone. I'm not going to treat my children like they're not people, but I want, but I'll say, Hey, it's 940. Don't forget 10 o'clock's wrap up. It'd be nice if you were off at 955. Makes my job easier. Makes your life easier. Those kind of warnings sometimes. Yes, mom. I know. Bye. You know, that's what I get for my 13 year old now. Um, but I tell them the more you show me cooperation and emotional self-regulation, the more I know you're not overattached to whatever that is we're talking about and you're not being irrational about it the more liberal I'm going to be with your privileges. And that has been, that has worked very well for me. Uh, now I'm only at 13, but so far at 10 and 13, we're doing pretty well with that. Now, when he was eight, he used to go, oh, and he would literally stop himself. He would catch himself. Like he was ready to have the meltdown and flow up at me. And he'd be like, like his logical brain somehow kicked in and went, oh no, that's not good for you. You know? And so he would get it. And I would say to him, I love the way God's spirit is producing self-control in you. When I would see that, I would never correct that behavior. I would always endorse that behavior because that was, that was God at work teaching him self-control. And that's what we want to, because guess what guys, we're not going to be here to monitor these things in a couple of years. I got a 13 year old in five years. She's on her own. I can't lock down her phone. I don't think Apple will let me anymore at that point. And I don't want to be doing that. I'm not raising an independent child. Do you guys not have to monitor yourselves? I do sometimes. Do y'all have to do that? Absolutely. Yeah. So it, does, it makes sense that we equip our children. Ultimately, we don't want to be restricting. We want to teach them a lifestyle of embracing a, a, just a well-lived life in the kingdom. 
It's so true. Self addiction and self-regulation. Okay. So those are great. That, that is incredible because my oldest grandson is three and he likes to watch a show, you know, I mean, that's almost been a reward for him. Oh, it is a great reward. And I think I have no problem with that. I use watching a show. If you will memorize a scripture for me, you might get some extra TV or screen time on the weekends. Cause if you'll hide God's word in your heart, I will reward you for that. But a three-year-old does not understand self-regulation. Nope. He has a meltdown when they say, turn it off, when, when they say we're turning it off. And so she's like, I'm done. I'm just not going to let him watch anything because mm -hmm. he, can't. no, she needs to use that opportunity, Lisa, to teach him emotional self-regulation. Mm -hmm. Calm down skills are what they're called at the three-year-old level. They're called calm down skills. And you learn to fill your lungs. And it is very important. We never had a timeout chair. We had a calm down step. I had a freaking calm down bedroom when my child was three. It was a tough year. I call terrible twos, terrifying threes. You know, I, I don't know where fall, four falls, but I'm telling you, my daughter learned this so well being a therapist child that this is her, this is the preschool teacher's favorite story. This little boy is always getting in trouble in school and God help me. His mother's probably, his mother listens to y'all. So I bet she's listening right now. I'm, I hope I don't get in too much trouble here, but, um, so he was always getting in trouble. He was always in the timeout chair in preschool. So one day Sophia walks over to him and she says to him, listen, I know this sounds really stupid, but my mom says, if you will breathe in through your nose and count to three and out through your mouth and count to three, that your brain will start working again and your body will come down and you will make better choices. You might want to try that. So you get out of the chair sooner because I want to play blank with you. And the two teachers look at each other and go, the counselor's daughter has spoken. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, that's great stuff. I, I'm going to, I'm taking notes. Yes, I am. And I'm going to share all of this. We're going to, we're going to move from a corner for timeout to a calm down step. Okay, Michelle. Okay. If you're going to have a calm down step, you might want to make a little calm down box. Okay. Like with a little pinwheel in it. So, cause you make, you move the pinwheel by breathing little squishy toy, maybe a bottle where glitter goes up and down too. So giving kids some tools, that's what our school counselors do. They have calm down boxes in their class, in their rooms. Uh, um, I teach them that when I train them and you can make one at home. And actually I have some of that information, I think on my website. Okay. okay. We're going there. We're going there. All right. So you mentioned a few times your book, and we are so excited to share with everyone today about your newly released, as of this week, a new devotional for, for girls, uh, Loved and Cherished. And I've got my hands on a copy. This um, book is incredible. And I, I mean, that is, if I get one question about if you have a counselor name, the other one is what devotionals and Bible studies do you have for young girls? Because we know that young girls love this kind of thing. They love journals. Chrissy raised two daughters. I raised two daughters. I could not get my daughters enough Bible studies and journals. They love it. So you've got a new book, a hundred devotionals for young girls. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, my co-author Proverbs 31 um, speaker and writer Lynn Cow and I um, really have a passion for girls to know the father heart of God. Cause we feel like if they know how loved they are, they will fare better with the rejection of middle school and early high school, which really 
puts a lot of kids off track and in my office. So this to me was like a protective measure that I wanted. I had read a book called The Father Heart of God by Floyd McClung in college, and it had kind of changed my life. Lynn had read the same book a couple years later when she was at a YWAM training. And so we couldn't believe God was putting this. She had asked me about maybe writing the second devotional after Bright Beauty with her. And I told her, well, this is what I want to write on after I do this, how to talk to your kids about mental health. And she goes, oh. I have a whole file. I'm like, well, I have 20 scriptures. And then we knew that this was where we were headed. And so we are so excited about this book because it is something that you could start your child off with a quiet time with, or you, and, and we have a lot of moms who said they're getting a lot out of it too. They're doing it with their children. We have a section where there's a scripture every day. We have a section like in each day, then we talk a little bit to them like about our struggles when we were that age or I talk to them about what I see in my office or my own children's struggles. And then we have a place to journal, which I think is so important. And it's not always something to journal. Sometimes it's stuff like find an object that reminds you of God's love and carry it around with you. So you're actually practicing the presence of God every day. Practical ways that we use in our counseling office for kids to experience God's love. And then we have a little prayer for them as well. We also have a section in each book called Meditation Matters. And the reason we put that in there is to encourage them to meditate on the word of God. Meditation's gotten a bad rap these days. To me, meditation is cognitive behavioral therapy. It is hiding God's word in your heart to the point that that is what your brain thinks about instead of the things the enemy will tempt our kids with, like you're a loser, you're ugly, you're not enough, um, you'll never be enough, nobody's going to like you. All those things our girls are already struggling with. So this book is for like seven to 13-ish, although we've had older and younger, look at them, gifted six-year-olds and um, and you know some 14-year-olds have said they've really enjoyed it because they've been in our camps, our online camps. Um, but this was super important to us. And right now, because like you said, the book just came out. The other thing Lynn and I wanted to do personally was invest in foster care girls who are fatherless a lot of times. So we have also partnered with several, and, and we're in the Dallas area like you. So it's um, Embrace Grace Texas, which is out of our area, and then another Christian foster care organization. And for every book that's bought right now, and you fill out a form on lovedandcherished.me, and you can give them those links, we are buying a second book and giving it to those foster care agencies to give to a foster care girl. So I've had a grandma and an aunt and a single woman call me and say, will you give me a bulk discount if I buy five? And I'm like, yeah, for 60 bucks, you buy five, I'll donate 10 to the foster care kids. And we are shocked. I mean, I had to order more books this week. I, I could not think of a better reason to order more books. I don't really care about sales, but if we can put the word of God and the gospel into hands of girls who, are, who have been through trauma, what a life-changing opportunity we have. So Lynn and I are like, we'll spend as much. I mean, Lynn's like, if we spend, we buy a thousand books, we'll buy a thousand books. We'll figure it I out. I love it. I love it. <laughs> You're I having a great time with this. I'm so excited and it's beautiful. I do have a question. There's a verse, Jeremiah 31, three, mm -hmm. uh, that is in the book. What what did, why did you pick that scripture out of all the scriptures in the Bible? Why did you pick that one? You know, and it's branded on our t-shirts. We're going to have mother-daughter pajamas. I can't believe this for our hot cocoa party at Christmas. I'm such a girl thing with stuff. I love swag. We have, we have it on our coffee mug. We have it on the back of the girls' t-shirts because we want those girls walking around public school saying, reading, I have loved you with an everlasting love. What a great thing that kids can read while they're at school on the back of a shirt. So we picked that verse because it's the idea that there's nothing you could ever do to separate you from the love of God. It's everlasting. It's from the time you were before you were in the womb till the day you die. 
And we want girls to understand that because the other thing I see so much of in my office is that sticky faith research. Kids are walking away from their faith because they feel like God has failed them and he's not there for them. And he, and, and they don't believe God is for them. I would, COVID is really, people are asking tough questions like that right now. Is God for us? Um, and I, I remind myself that compared to like being in a war zone, like there are in the Middle East right now, God is definitely for me. I mean, I'm making some sacrifices here, but I mean, I could have to live a much harder life when we think about Anne Frank and the Bosnian wars and everything else that people have lived through. Um, but that doesn't make our suffering not real. It just gives us perspective. Like I was talking about in another podcast recently, um, just that idea that we keep our perspective emotionally on what we're experiencing, but we still have to be real about it, own it, process it. But hopefully we come to hope. We don't come to hope because of what is happening. We come to hope because who we have our hope in. And that's what makes us different as solution focused pastoral counselors. We bring hope into that counseling office with every believer, non-believer, because we have about 70% believers in our center. We offer Christian counseling upon request because I'm committed to the community and being missional. And it's, and that's why I love Loved and Cherished. If you look at my writing, some of them are written in such a way you could read it in a public school library or like a public library without the scripture so that I could get the book those places. And that was important to me because kids need these skills and God introduces people so differently to himself. And I wanted there to be an opportunity in this book for that. I love it. I love it. I am so excited for you and all that you do. I love the resources that you've given us. I love that you're a resource. I love your heart and your ministry. And I'm excited that our listeners have been introduced to you. And we may need to have you on again because you have so much information. I still have five questions that we didn't even get close to covering. Um, You are such a delight. And I know that God has placed you exactly where you're supposed to be during these days for sure. And I pray that people are encouraged by your book and that girls fall in love with Jesus and know that he is with them forever and ever, no matter what. We have loved having you on, Michelle, and thank you for being with us. Thank you so much. I just hope we all realize that it's easier to train a girl than fix a woman. And I hope we all embrace that idea as we continue during the season. Amen. Love it. Thank you, Michelle.